to Creative City, the podcast that lets you listen in on my conversations with some of Cincinnati's most innovative and creative minds. For more information and to listen to previous episodes, please visit www.creativecitypodcast.com. Sign up for the newsletter for the latest updates and be sure to listen, rate, and review on iTunes. Now let's get to it. Welcome back to the Creative City Podcast. I'm Tamia Stinson from thestylesample.com. And today I have a special guest. I have Mr. Chris Glass, who calls himself a designer. <laughs> yep. What else can you tell us, though, Chris? I'm curious about uh, how you actually got to be a designer. Um, well, let's see. I, w- I, I went to Ohio State and I had OH. Yes, I owe. Okay. Um, (laughs) I went there with the idea that I was going to become a filmmaker. And I was really excited. I stepped foot on campus. It was time to enroll in classes. And they had uh, eliminated that department at the time. So this was back in, what, 1990. And so that was the first year they had gotten rid of, like, film and um, photography as, like, a major and so those classes weren't available uh, as a major. Uh, you could still, you know, take classes. And so, you know, I said to myself, well, what's kind of visual? <laughs> um, and they had this program called Visual Communication. And I'm like, well, that's kind of what film is. It's visual communication. So sure. I'll just do that. Um, and so I did. And um, what's kind of interesting is design has now evolved so much that you know, film has kind of come back into it where, you know, it's one of the tools in our toolkits now as designers that, you know, motion and film, that is very important. Yeah. Um, But that concept uh, really didn't exist at the time. And, um, you know, it was just kind of serendipitous. So, you know, I took a route that kind of focused mainly on like composition, typography, general design stuff process. interested in that stuff at that point? Oh, yeah, always. Okay. You know, I'd done the school paper growing up, and (laughs) I was really into, you know, computers had just, uh, laser printers had just come out, so I'm dating myself. But, you know, it was this really great way to kind of, you know, I saw this transition of mocking up a newspaper by hand and printing things out and taping them together to a computer as the way to assemble it completely and then output it. So... It just, it was a natural progression to go to school. And it's like, although what's funny is when I went to Ohio State, because this was this transition going on, they didn't have, they didn't have computers at the time. So Wait, none? Um, not, it wasn't part of our, our studies. So ah. we used transfer type. Like we would rub down letters and draw lines and cut things out by hand. It wasn't until huh. my senior year that we were given access to a computer lab. So you were right there like at the... On the cusp of the digital revolution. Yes. That's crazy. I went through college and we didn't have cell phones. Well, well, actually, I got to be honest. I got through like my first year without a cell phone. But you were like right. You got the best of both worlds, I guess. I think so. I mean, I th- it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, in addition to kind of seeing this, the, the, the traditional ways of creating design and to develop things kind of all kinesthetic and with your hands and, you know, very physical in nature, and then being fascinated by digital technologies. Like, I've always been like, oh, I want to learn that. I want to learn about the CD-ROMs, and then I want to learn about websites, like, you know, right when they they came about. And so, you know, it's always been a learning process. Um, And I think that's, 
you know, one of the reasons why I love design so much is that the tools change and the the medium changes so much. So you like the changed. fact that it's sort of malleable yeah, depending something. on the situation and the totally. culture and how things change. Yeah, that is a cool. I've never thought about it that way, but I, I enjoy that too. Yeah, it's the best. Otherwise, it'd be boring. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you're doing the same thing day in and day out with the same tools. But I would assume that even. I would assume every job has that component now where our tools have evolved, you know, whether it's, you know, an accountant. You That's know, true. Like, imagine doing things in a ledger mm-hmm. and now it's like, oh, I can just feed it through this application and I can now store it in a cloud and now I can access it on my phone. I mean, I think that we've, we've seen this kind of transformation of, of every industry with our tools at least. Yeah. So it's pretty exciting. So once you got finished with school, you were like – were you trying to get into, like, the agency situation, or were you interested in doing things on your own? Um, I didn't have an idea other than, you know, I kind of paid my way through school and worked weekends, and I was just tired of that. I was like, I want a <laughs> nine- so I guess I did want an agency job. I wanted a 9-to-5 job, and I wanted um, access to a computer, which I really hadn't had before, because I was just fascinated by them. I'm like, I want to play in that world and get to know that. So uh, I, I ended up at a... Um, just with a one-man company in Columbus, Ohio. His name was Robert Abbott, and uh, he started a company that made CD-ROMs. And so, ooh, that must have been like high tech at the time, right? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> which, you know, if you're if you're technical, it's like our canvas was 640 by 480, which was I think the original iPhone. So that was our canvas ah. in which to paint, and then commit it to a, a CD, and then get it printed and, and distributed, much like a book or software. So, yeah, it was. Um, a fascinating world at the time, and I loved it and learned so much from him. You know, he was a graduate of RISD, so, mm. you know, I kind of listened a lot, you know, and had so he had so much um, just knowledge and um, the way that he spoke with clients. Like, it was all very new to me Ooh, just yeah, out of school where, right. you know, I hadn't done any internships or anything. So, uh, yeah, did CD-ROMs for a while, and then the web started to emerge, and all of a sudden I was just like, hmm, this is... This is neat because I don't have to commit. You know, making a CD-ROM, you have to get, get to – it has to be pressed like a record. Right. And then you – if you mess something up, you can't change you it. You can't change it. So, <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, I want to go to this web thing because then I can always <laughs> – I can just never finish. It can just always change. That is true. You can update it like that. Yeah. So did that for a while. Then I was like, I'm tired of things changing. <laughs> you know, I was. I was like I, – I, you know, it was like – well, what can I do that doesn't change? And then it turned into screen printing because it's like once you put screen, you know, ink on a shirt or a, a piece of paper, it doesn't change. So what led you to that medium then, to, to shirts versus, uh, like, the digital stuff? So sure. you went from something digital to something very tangible. I mean, it was, it was uh, in part, it was a reaction to all the work that I was doing in websites eventually degraded where – you know, you develop a website, you hand it over to a client, and then they'll muck with something. Oh, yeah, they do. And then you're like, I can't, <laughs> I can't even put that in my portfolio anymore. I've been it's on like, both sides of that, yeah. actually, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, it's like the, the concept always looks much better without the, uh, the banner ad on it. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there was, I think, a little bit of um, kind of deflation of seeing kind of the work uh, devolve a little bit. You've and, ruined it! Right. I can't look at this anymore. It's just vulgar. Um, 
And I think the other thing, you know, I think about screen printing is it was kind of, it always had this kind of rock sensibility. Like, I love music. I've, I've like, I would even attribute my love of design to looking at album covers, you know? Oh, and my God, me too, yeah. So I would just kind of stare at these, this album art and go, huh, that's actually somebody's job where they select that typeface and they tell the story visually and they, they pick those images. Like, it wasn't until school that I'm like, huh, I'm doing that thing that I've always kind of fa- been fascinated with. Yeah, I guess technically yeah, I was CD for sure. Yeah. And so, even outside of school after you graduated, you were still doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so music, CDs, uh-huh. you know, whatever, album covers, but then T-shirts, you know. Right. So it was a matter of like, well, I want to make a T-shirt. You, you, get out of, you got in early on the merch, see. Right. That's what, that's what they call it now, what oh, Kanye's the- doing. Yeah, <laughs> you got in early on the merch. This is a big thing now. Hmm. I'm wondering now if I'm going to know what the next thing is. is If it's just over at this point, you know, is it all downhill? I'm not sure. So, yeah, I did T-shirts for a while and still make T-shirts. But then uh, decided to take a break from everything and do a fellowship for a year. So, And the fellowship focused on another aspect of visual communication. So I feel like there's a pattern here. Sure, there is. You know, I just kind of like hop from one thing to the next. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, yeah, photography, I've always loved it. And... It's been this thing that I kind of keep safe and separate from everything else. Like, I've tried to shoot weddings and, you know, kind of sell my work in in commercial venues. And it just always never felt right. Like, I just like doing it for fun. Yeah. Um, And that's the same with T-shirts. Like, I don't print T-shirts. Like, I'm not a T-shirt printing company with my partner, Tom. Um, We just print the designs that we make. Um, And so it was always separate from, like, consulting work or websites or anything like that. So with with photography, I've just, um, you know, back in like 2003, I started taking a daily photo. Okay. So every day I would be like, all right, I got to take a photo to remember this day. And then it turned into a a kind of this game with myself where it's like, what awesome thing can I do today and have a really beautiful photo or have a really interesting photo? So it was kind of a motivator to have lead a more interesting life. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to look at it. I never thought about it like that. Which, you know, that worked, to, uh, that worked out great for a while. But then after a while, you, you really, um, you have to find that rhythm of, you know, it's like the boring days. Like, this is the day I did laundry, and here is a photo of the washing machine. You know, and I think that there's actually um, a beauty in that because it, it kind of sets up a rhythm. Like, I think you can't always just go full bore. I'm going to have the most fantastic day ever and see the most amazing things and capture them. You have to have those rests in between. Oh, you know, agreed. You have to have that kind of, um, I don't know. I, I call it rhythm, but, um, you know, and I think that it, it varies. Like, you might have a whole month of doldrum. Like, <laughs> and then the next month you go on a trip it's or something. It's wild, yeah. yeah. Some of my best days have been rest days, though. Like, even on, even on trips that are exciting, Especially if they're for an extended period of time. I remember when I, I went to London for a couple of months after I graduated from college. And one of the days that sticks out the most for me is the day that I just basically stayed in my, they called it a hotel, but really it was a hostel that was mm-hmm. calling itself a hotel. I stayed in my room and watched American TV and took a long shower. Like that's one of the days that stands out the most for me because it was so stimulating having to right. navigate an entirely new space all the time that that day in particular uh, meant a lot to me because I didn't have to do that. It was a time to kind of rest and think about everything that I'd taken in as opposed to experiencing it. I think there's probably something too else to like being in a place and 
and taking that time to rest and to just be still and to listen, I think that you get to kind of feel a place better because you're not in motion. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're um, you're able to just be like, this is. If I was living here, this is what it would sound like <laughs> yeah. if I was sitting in this chair and reading and yep. the noises that come through and, you know, every everything that you experience. So that's fascinating. I need to make sure that I incorporate that more in my vacations now. It's like the day of rest. Yeah. Ooh, I've Start with it. I've, well, <laughs> I usually get I usually start running, but then I right. tire myself out very quickly because I'm getting older. Yeah. Uh, speaking of getting older. Yes. What is it? That you think you've learned from all of these experiences. So, in particular, um, the the fellowship. So, tell people a little bit about the fellowship, and sure. then I kind of want to hear a little bit about what you've taken from that. Right. So, I applied kind of um, on a, a lark. You know, they had they had phrased the fellowship, the Hale um, Foundation, at, at People's Liberty, had phrased this fellowship as "Change Your Story, Change Your City." And they'd really uh, changed it from a focus on projects to a focus uh, on people first, and then what's your project? And I'm like, well, I think I'm a good person. Um, <laughs> and I, I love photography, and I'd love to get better at it, and I'd love to celebrate it and to get out in Cincinnati and take photos and, um, you know, maybe make some neighborhood additions. You know, I had a lot of ideas, and I kind of crammed it on this application, and somehow I made it through. What I didn't realize is that, you know, the the opportunity that you're given with a year to take off of your job um, is really an opportunity to experiment and to iterate and to, um, you know, kind of come up with ideas. And you're surrounded, like you're given, uh, for, first of all, so many resources. And by resources, I mean access to people. Um, just not only the other grantees that are part of People's Liberty, but they have speakers come in. I'm given a set of mentors that I meet with every month. Oh, nice. And, you know, I would just kind of uh, throw out all these ideas and have discussions about them, and they would get better. And nice. all of a sudden, my project was not about me getting better. It was yeah. about how do we get better collectively or how do we see um, photography in a more intentional way as a, a, a location, as a neighborhood, as a city. And so photo scouting was born, which was um, really kind of taking all these ideas and turning them to a little book. So it's like a scout book for like, you know, imagine Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts. But um, to earn badges, you you take photos and they're organized by just basic photography skills, uh, getting out to explore a neighborhood, whether it's your own or another. And then the last is the hardest for me, especially, is to get to know people and to kind of get out of your comfort zone. The example I like to, sh- to give is instead of taking a picture of your food, just just a picture of your food, see if you can talk to the person that made your food and ask for their portrait. Yeah, that's awesome. And then now that you have this little book in your pocket, you kind of have a passport to say, here's the why I'm doing this. Right. So it's kind of gets over that social anxiety, like I'm doing this for a reason. And I'm not just a weirdo. Right. <laughs> so so that was another part of it. So I had all these submissions, you know, I had I think over fourteen hundred submissions. Wow, that's crazy. And then and with a really short window, you know, it's like that kind of hit, you know, in the, the middle of the summer. And then, you know, we had the winter, which is not always the best time to take photos. So I got these submissions and I just finished up the first edition on Sunday. And, you know, I have to say, sitting back and kind of thumbing through this and looking at it, I'm just amazed at how beautiful our city looks and how amazingly diverse. I mean, you've got 
professional photographers submitting things versus, you know, high school students and, and young people and old people. And it's all, all diverse um, uh, levels of experience mm-hmm. with photography. But when you mix it all together and kind of organize it by these themes, um, I think it, it turns into something quite beautiful. And then from here... Um, you know, I mentioned neighborhood editions briefly. Now I know how to do that. Right. Like after doing all of this, now I have a template. Yeah. Now I know how to make it easier for people to contribute. Um, and so I'm looking at a few neighborhoods. So Okay. Um, I'm just going to put a shout out for the West End. Okay. Noted. <laughs> so West End, that's different than Westwood. West End would be West End right is here. exactly a couple blocks that away. So, you know, the, one of the one of the things that I did in this uh, fellowship was I made a map of all the neighborhoods of Cincinnati. Oh, smart! Because I still have no idea where some of these places are or how they're connected to each other. Well, what's fascinating is you know there's the official neighborhoods and then there's the unofficial neighborhoods. Like Prospect Hill, you would think is a neighborhood. Technically, it's Technically not. Technically, it's, it's not. I guess. Cuff, cuff, you know. Huh. So um, you know, so I think that there's. These, these groups of people that kind of identify themselves as this is our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I think that those are valid and actually probably more important than the official neighborhood. I think you're probably right, yeah. So, you know, I got overwhelmed, actually, by making this map. I'm like, oh, no, what did I get into? <laughs> but now I'm really fascinated. Like, I want to fill in that circle of the West End and go on a photo walk there. So that's another thing we did is these photo walks. Yeah, and I went on out, one of the Finley Market ones, and it was awesome. It turned out to be one of the best things. You Actually, I wish... I'd love to do that one again where we had some guides for the other photo walks. Um, Dan Becker and Dan Corman of Park and Vine oh, yeah. led photo walks and kind of gave the history of neighborhoods. Ah. And they were just so good. Like, I learned so much, and it was just this amazing experience. And it's like, yeah, I want to go everywhere and have somebody. You know, one of the, one of the best uh, photo walks was actually in Westwood. Not best. They were all great. Um, <laughs> But we didn't have a guide that day, and so I took a book out, of, a page out of uh, Walking Cincinnati, Dan Corman's book. Oh, yeah. And um, so I'm like, here's my map. Here's what we're going to do. And a fellow named Otis showed up, and he's 82 years old, lived in Westwood his entire life, looked at the map, and he's like, you don't want to go there. That's torn down. He's like, oh. this street's going to have really good light this time of day for photographs. And so wow. folded up the, 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 the map, put it in my pocket. We followed Otis all afternoon. He had... So much history of the area. The door was open to a cello repair store, and he's like, hey, can I bring these folks in? To, they're doing a photo walk. And they're like, sure. So it's like— Cello repair? Yeah, over in Westwood. Never World famous. Open on the weekends, actually, because people come in from all over the world. No idea. Yeah, no, you do. <laughs> so Otis was basically your uh, your scout leader. Yeah. Yeah. So if I could find an Otis in every neighborhood, exactly. West End, yeah. that's what I want. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a great idea. And I noticed that you actually brought your your camera yes. here to the studio. I actually think I what, – what camera is that? I think this I have that one. This is a Sony RX100. So nice, small, yeah. articulating screen. Okay, mine is not that fancy. Never mind. Well, each one, <laughs> each one does something a little bit different. Yeah, I think mine yeah. is a little older than that. It's a nice pocket camera. So what have you learned about photography? You know, what I learned, and I'm still kind of wrapping my head around this, is – you know, I, I always thought that I wanted to get better at photography, and the reality is I'm fine. Oh, you know? yeah? Yeah, I'm, I'm an okay ph- – I'm like – I think my photography is fine. The, the real joy, the thing to aspire to is to share photos yeah. and to actually – and to not just do it um, for yourself – 
to to come together with people and celebrate the act of photography. Hmm. Um, you know, the the walk you went on in Findlay was a really great example because so many people shared photos right after it, and I'm like, we walked the same path, but. I saw so many different things yeah. from everyone else there that I feel like now I want to walk it again and see the things that other people saw. And so I think it's this collective um, experience of photography that I've really kind of grown fond of. Whereas before it was also it was also very isolated. Like I take a photo and kind of regard it and all that. But now I feel that photography is is a much more social beast than I ever thought it was. And I mean I know there's Instagrams and Facebooks and all Snapchats and all that. But I think that there's something actually um, really important about physically meeting together in a space and exploring it together. And I think additionally like seeing these printed editions takes it to even another place where it's then kind of regarded and it's um, something that we kind of, you know, there's so much of the stuff just scrolls by or, mm -hmm. or, you know, it's like there's something really interesting about kind of um, the editorial component of photography and to commit to a selection yeah. and to feel that it's good enough to submit, you know, and um, that whole internal process, I think, is... Uh, a really important part of photography. And I think that it's really exciting when you have a bunch of people doing it uh, at varying levels of experience. So That's really interesting because I've, I think a lot about how, as humans, we can literally only see things from our perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think what you were saying about photography and seeing how the people who went on the same walk and, I mean, seemingly saw the same things, right. submitted... Totally, different, totally different photo. Like there was something that caught somebody else's attention that I probably didn't see at all. Right. So the idea of seeing life through or seeing the world through somebody else's eyes is always really fascinating to me. I like that idea. Yeah, I think there's something there. So as we kind of take this and, and make it into the neighborhood editions, I think that's an important component. I want, you know, for a neighborhood edition, it's folks from the neighborhood getting together, but also inviting people from outside the neighborhood. So you're going to get yet another kind of this outside-in perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, you get like the fresh newness of people right. who haven't seen any of that stuff before, whereas you walk by it every day and it's like, eh. Yeah. yeah. So I think that there's a magic in mixing it all up. Uh, so. so this book, congrats on, on getting it finished, by the way. Thank you. Because I know that is no small task. I'm sweating it. <laughs> when does it come out? Like when can, when can people get their hands on it? So I don't know when the, your podcasts are released, but uh, it's coming up. It's, I think, Wednesday, March 8th is the oh. uh, To Hail and Back wow. event oh, at People's Liberty. Okay. So I think it starts at 530, and then um, Brandon, my other fellow, and I are going to speak at 6. But I have 20 copies of it then. Um, and so I'm going to give that to people that actually contributed photos. Smart. But anybody can kind of look at some sample yeah. copies. It was really just a test run to see how's this going to look, you know. Um, but definitely by uh, the end of my fellowship, which is April 3rd, uh, Op Red's opening day, I will have all of the copies available and there will be available for purchase. And then everybody that actually contributed photos will get it shipped to them for free. So. Awesome. I love that idea. Yeah. And... Once you finish with the fellowship, are you going to go back to designing, or what are you, what are you going to do? So I kind of look at it as a, a, a three-legged stool or table where <laughs> um, I love photo scouting. I love what it, where it's going, and I've, I've committed to doing these neighborhood editions. So the fellowship kind of doesn't end, 
um, I can kind of continue that out and mm-hmm. and thankfully do these photo walks in the summer versus the winter. Right, right. Which was a little difficult. So, so that's going to be one leg. Uh, the other leg is still consulting and design. Like, okay. I enjoy doing it. It's it's part of my livelihood, and um, it's just I don't know. It's a thing I do, and I enjoy it. And it's it changes and. Have you missed it at all? No. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, I hope my clients aren't listening. Whoops. No, I mean, I, I've because I've I've learned so much, okay. you know, over this year um, that I just kind of want to stay in school, you know. Yeah, frankly, yeah. So it's going to be a little sad to like go back to the real world, but mm-hmm. it's not in a way because I do have pretty awesome clients, and they're all humans and great people, and. Um, they challenge me. And then the third leg of the stool is wire and twine, where we print the T-shirts still. Right. And that just moved to Northside, so um, lots of unpacking to do there. And So you guys moved into, like, a studio space? No, we actually have um, my partner Tom uh, and his wife Wendy, they got an old railroad depot in Northside, and they've been rehabbing it for the past two years. Where the heck is there an old railroad depot in Northside? It's hidden away. So there's, no you know— the can factory. Um, yeah, yeah. Roos Parkside Cafe. Uh-huh. Right in front of that is a new apartment complex yeah. called the Gantry. Right. That gantry wraps around this old railroad depot. So we share a parking lot with the gantry. That's I swear I've driven past that yeah. a skillion times and never I'll show you. A never. Picture. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's tucked away. It's not on the main drag of Northside, but it's this great building. It's like got five garage doors. Huh. You know, it's huge. I actually live there now. Oh nice. So I moved in uh, about a month ago. And then we got all of our screen printing equipment down uh, a couple weeks ago. And it's gonna be a co working space and it's gonna be um, Screen printing, we're going to have a dark room. Oh, y'all got plans with a capital P. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on. So once the fellowship ends, I can help out Tom and kind of, uh, you know, water the plants and stuff. (laughs) Whatever whatever needs to happen. Does that space have a name? Pixels and Ink. Yeah. I feel like I've heard of that. Maybe, you know. It's like the combination of kind of digital and and real-life stuff. So, yeah, it's... um, it's going to be interesting. That sounds exciting. You've got a lot on your plate, actually. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's good. I like to juggle. You know, I think it keeps it fresh. So. I think so, too. I think I would get bored doing the same thing all the time. I know I would get bored doing the same thing all the time. Who am I kidding? <laughs> <laughs> so if people want to find out more about who you are and what you do and all these various projects you have going on, where can they go? Well, um, I mean, the easiest, I suppose, is my name, chrisglass.com. Uh, that wasn't taken? You must have got that early. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good I for mean, you. I mean, we're old, old <laughs> very But old. you were smart enough to right. pick up on that. If though. I was really smart, I would have glass.com, but I would probably have had that taken away from me because it's such a generic word. <laughs> um, I am glass on Twitter, so Twitter at glass. Wow. That was a tough one. No kidding. Um, when did you get that? Like, 06? Like, when they first? Yeah. Yeah. Right when they first mm-hmm. Right when they first opened their doors. Mm-hmm. And trust me, it's uh, been a lot of uh, heartache with that one. Oh. Justin Bieber once walked into a glass door, and he accidentally used my Twitter name and his, like, I can't believe you at glass door for, you know, messing my face up or something. And so all of the believers, all of his followers started tweeting me thinking that I did something bad to him. (laughs) And it was this, like, litany of just (laughs) angry tweets from his fans. Oh, believers. Calm down, guys. 
It's making some good music. <laughs> so anyway, um, so yeah, chrisglass.com, at Glass on Twitter. Um, and then Photocore, the, the, the fellowship project, um, photocore.org, but even better, go to peopleslibertyorg and learn about all of the grants and projects that are going there because I think that, you know, to me, there's always a space there. It's kind of a family and, you know, you can go work there and talk to people and it's just so, I'm, I'll see myself speaking splitting my time there too and yeah you know because it's just such a great place to be so um yeah so there there's a whole bunch of urls i don't know <laughs> i should really simplify <laughs> i'm sure there are probably links to most of them between yeah. photocore and chris Glass. everything's all there yeah, yeah at yeah. some point and at one point you described photocore as like scouts for photography yeah that really brought it home for me it's I was a, like, now I get it, because I got my little book. Right. It's a way to get in. Uh-huh. But then it turns into something. It turns in bigger. Yeah, but not really. I mean, at the same time, because scouting is all about kind of getting together with a group of people. Mm, that's true. You have a scout leader that knows what they're doing, hopefully. Right. Um, you do some things, and then you get some rewards, and then you celebrate it. You know? <laughs> with cookies! Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's. I should <laughs> come up with some photo cookies. <gasps> that would really bring it home. I got some people I can have you talk to. Noted. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show, Chris. If you want to find out more about the Creative City Podcast and listen to previous episodes from seasons one to three, you can head to creativecitypodcast.com. If you want to learn more about me, I am at The Style Sample on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. And I hope to see you back here for the next episode. Thanks again, Chris. Thank you. Thank you.